name is Ben Sather. I'm here with my friend John Mullen, and this is the What's Up With That podcast. It's a deep dive into life's biggest questions from a Christian point of view. So uh, happy to be here today. We're going to be talking about the question, the question that is behind every other question, the question that um, that is probably the reason why people walk away from the faith um, behind every one of them um, is probably this one. It's why would a good God create a world in which pain and suffering are, exists? Or another word to say it is, you know, why would God allow suffering if he's so good? And so I'm here with my friend John Mullen. How you doing, John? Doing good. Thank you. All right. So we're we're going to dive into this topic. And, and the reason I think it's it's the one behind every other question is, you know, if you if you pull on uh, the string of people's questions and, and you you keep talking to people, you finally get to the point where they throw up their hands and say, "Well, but why did God let my mother have cancer?" Right? You you know you get in this kind of um, debate about um, how old the world is and does science disprove God or or um, you know how did uh, where did Jesus really rise from the dead and and those seem to be all kind of um, you know I don't know just false questions. That's not the real issue uh, that, that, that's driving people away. But then you keep talking to people, you keep asking, you keep asking, and, and you keep answering questions. And even after you've answered every question, then they throw up their hands and say, yeah, why, why did my mom get cancer? Why did I, why was I abused as a child? Um, why did this really terrible thing happen uh, when I've tried my best to live a pretty good life? And and so that's what we want to talk about. So why would a loving God create a world in which pain and suffering exists? With all the terrible things that happen in this world, it leads me to believe that even if a God exists, he is either powerless or he's not kind or he's not loving at all. Either way, he doesn't seem worthy of my worship. In fact, I've heard people say it this way. Um, you know, uh, if this God actually does exist and he would allow these horrible things to happen, I'm not even going to worship him. You know, I I don't care if I have to spend my eternity in hell uh, because then I want to be in the presence of this kind of God. So there's an actual, you know, an anger towards this kind of God. So um, I don't know if there's anything that you've heard, John, when it comes to this main objection or or, or are we kind of wording it the way the way you you'd say it? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think this is the big one. This is the biggest question. I think um, both believers and unbelievers wrestle with this. Um, and I think, you know, there are no easy answers to this question, I think, but I think as Christians, we do have, um, you know, the clearest answers. Um, and I believe that we also have something that, that many others don't have, and that's hope. And it's not false hope, it's real hope, uh, because it's based on truth. So this is a, this is a big topic, and um, so I hope we're up to the task here. All right, so let's start with the big, uh, the, the, the first question. Why would God allow evil and suffering to exist? Um, and I've also heard it this way. Why would God create evil? Why would God uh, create evil? Um, and I think that, that, that way you have to really kind of ask the question, like, what is evil? What is evil? Um, I've heard it this way, and I think this has been helpful for me. Evil is not a thing in itself. Evil is the absence of good. Just like darkness isn't something. Darkness is the absence of light. You don't create darkness. Darkness is what happens when there's no light. Um, you don't create evil. Evil happens when there's no God, when there's no good. And so um, evil, it happens when good is pulled away. You don't create evil. 
evil is the byproduct of there not being the good. It, it's not something that's created. You create what is good. In fact, when God created everything, he said it's very good. And he, he and what happened was, is that people rejected the good. They walked away from the good. Um, so it is something that he allowed, but it's not something he would create it. So I, I think that's a really important distinction. Uh, I don't know, what do, you, what do you want to say to that, John? Well, I think it's a really good question, and I think it's a question that not only Christians have to answer, but people of all faith or no faith. Um, you know, for example, if you're, a, if you're a Hindu or a Buddhist, um, I'd be interested to know what, what that answer would be. You know, why would God, or, you know, I guess if, if it's not God, an impersonal life force or whatever, why would why would it create the world with with pain and suffering in it or or ask a muslim why would why would a lot uh, create a world where there is um, pain and suffering in it uh, i feel as christians i think that we have a pretty good answer mm -hmm. um i think i think our answer stems from the fact that um, god creates the world and he creates us mm -hmm. um and and we have a personal god so so he wants to be in relationship with us mm -hmm. and the number one thing you need in a relationship is freedom um, you need the freedom to love. You need the freedom to enter into that relationship or not to. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's 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 just a forced, you know, it, it's a forced thing, which isn't which isn't real at all. So so God did give us that freedom to to um, to choose to love or to hate, uh, to love Him or withhold love, and um, you know, unfortunately, we we used it in the wrong way, and we continue to um, you know abuse that free will that God gave us. Yeah. So. It's that, that walking away from the good God, right? Mm -hmm. the, the closer you get to God, the closer you get goodness. But you're right. You, if you don't even have God, you don't really have categories for good and evil. You just have power plays. And um, I think one thing that um, I, I remember reading this, uh, there's a, uh, a professor who wrote, wrote a book on, 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 on some of these topics. And he was talking about one time he was at a dinner party. And he was overhearing a conversation and, and, and he kind of walked into it. And this woman was kind of laying out all of the things that were going wrong in her life. And it was something like, you know, um, why would God create a world where my son would get sick, where there'd be a fire down the street, where the, you know, the police got called because of that issue. And there's going to be, there's wars and there's disease and, you know, we've, I lost my job. And she just had this laundry list of things that were going wrong, you know. Um, and he just kind of blurted out. He said, uh, that must be hard. It must be hard to go through all of that and have no God besides. You know, just to, to get angry at God that you might not believe in doesn't really answer the question. It's still there. It's still a problem. Um and just to say, I don't like God because there's evil and suffering that exists doesn't, doesn't give you any resource to go for help. Um, so why would God allow evil and suffering to exist? I mean, it, it, again, it's easy to, for us to talk about this in this kind of situation. But I'm thinking about, you know, the, the woman in our congregation who lost her husband at 40 years old. I'm thinking about um, the, the, the number, numerous people I know I've worked with who've been sexually abused as children and and so we can give maybe philosophical reasons why God would allow evil and suffering to exist, but um, it, it's really hard when it gets personal and, and, and when you have to answer this in your day-to-day -day life. So why would he allow evil and suffering to exist? I think there's another great theologian, uh, Augustine, um, that it's, it's easy to see where all the bad comes from, but what about all the good? Why is there so much good? That would be the other question. Why is there... You know, um, 
why is there so much that that goes on that I expect to happen to be good? Why? What is this good that I that that, that I'm shooting for? Where did that come from? And I think that's also a really important question. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if there's anything right. you want to add to that question. You know, I again, like you like you stated before, you know, we're using terms like good and evil and, and, you know, good and bad. And really those terms only make sense if God is in the equation. Because otherwise all it is is, is just a matter of opinion. Um, you know, what is, what is evil? What is good? Um, you can't really use those terms if you take God out of the equation. So, um, yeah, I think we do have to not only look at the bad and the suffering, but we also have to look at the good in this world and uh, understand that God created that. I think also it's helpful to when you, if you do open up the Bible, you see that God is just as angry or, or, or even angrier at suffering and evil. You, you have Jesus at the, at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. He's weeping in mm -hmm. anger over the fact of how, what's happened in this world. You hear Jesus who, you know, sometimes we think of Jesus as just this kind of passive guy who's walking through, you know, some people have this kind of hippie version of Jesus, but so so often he is just raging against the evil that, that's happened, that people would walk away from him. Um, and some of the strongest words that he's ever said is if you hurt children, this is in Matthew 18, if you wanted to look it up, if you hurt children, Jesus says, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and drown in the heart of the sea um, than to hurt a child. So, so God hates um, evil. Um, God hates suffering. He created a world that didn't have all that, and he mourns over that, that we have taken yeah, this freedom and decided to run away from him. So I think that's really important for us to, to, to remember and see God's response to it, that um, that, 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 that's that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's really until we see that suffering that we really understand the magnitude of sin. Yeah, you know, we kind of, you know, when things are when things are going well and and, uh, and you know, we're, we're living in safety here, we can kind of laugh it off, you know, laugh sin away. It's just, you know, it's not that it's not that big a deal. But when we actually see the consequences of it, uh, that's when I think we can start taking it. We take it a little more seriously and understand that the magnitude of what, what sin has created in this world. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think now that there's so much artificial intelligence, you can kind of see what it would be like if God created a world where there wasn't that ability to walk away. We'd all be Alexa, right? Mm -hmm. We'd all be these these artificial intelligence that would just do the bidding. But, but to the fact that, that we can think about things and we can make that choice to either follow what is good and, and, and that's really what's so fascinating about the, the, the beginning story in the Bible. If you, you turn to page three of the Bible, God places a tree at the middle of the garden. And he says that's his tree. You can eat from any other tree. Um, and, and people think it's a silly, silly little Adam and Eve mm -hmm. garden story. But it's so profound in the fact that there's this tree at the middle of the garden. And the tree is called the knowledge of good and evil. And God says, that's my tree. I decide what's good and evil. I, I decide what's right and wrong. You don't get to eat from that tree. But human beings were tempted and they followed this idea that they snatched that tree. They, 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 they grasped out for that tree. And, and the devil said that if you do that, you get to be God. You get to call what's good and evil. You get to call what's right and wrong. You get to call the shots. And, and now you see that played out. I mean, you can see it in big ways when uh, a, 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 I have a friend who... Um, 
works down in 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 Latin America and in one of the countries that he was working in, where um, you know the, the the government just decides what's good and evil, mm-hmm. and for them, what's good is get rid of anybody that pushes against them, no matter what you have to do. Um, in in the country he was working in, the the government balanced their budget on the backs of the people um, by taking away all of their social security benefits. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you have all these people who have no social security benefits and the government said that's good because uh, we need to balance our budget. And some people kind of tried to protest that, well, all these people who were expecting that they have no money, they have no way to eat. And, and, and this was something that was promised by the government. And so they just started mowing down these people and they decided what's good and evil. And, and that's what happens when we, when we put good and evil in our own category, man, we cause so much suffering instead of uh, letting God be God. And I mean, it's kind of a tangential idea, but it's, I think it, it, it's really important to realize what has happened in our world when we wanted to be God, when we wanted to kick God off his throne, when we want to decide what's good and evil, we have just made a mess of things. Right. And again, I think it's, I think an amazing part of that is that God actually gave us a choice. He, he gave Adam and Eve a choice. Right. You know, he, Again, he didn't want to create a race of robots. He wanted meaningful relationships with us. Right. And and in order to have that meaningful relationship, we do have to have that freedom to choose. Otherwise, we are robots. So, you know, the, the fact that God would even give us that choice, I think, um, shows how much he really wants to be in relationship with us, right. which is something that not all faiths can say. There, You know, a, a lot of different faiths don't believe in a personal God, Right. Um, whereas... We obviously do. Yeah. And I think also understand history as a story is very, very important where it starts in a, a good world that we have, that, that we um, have walked away from the good and we've allowed evil to come in the world because we, we walked away from God. And when you walk away from God, it's like turning the lights off. You, 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 you kick light out of the room and now there's darkness here. But the, the story of the Bible is about, and we'll get to this later on, but it's about God entering into the evil and God letting the evil and suffering come on him. And then the story of the Bible is, is about a good God um, in victory at the end where he comes back and renews this world and purifies this world and makes it new, gives us, uh, resurrects our body, takes care of us. And I think that's really, uh, understanding the Bible uh, is is about uh, the story from beginning to end, and yeah, maybe we're suffering and facing evil right now, but it's all in the middle of the story. Mm-hmm. There's no hope if there's no happy ending. But the God who created a good world said it's going to be very good in the end, and He's proven um, that He's ultimately already won the victory uh, in Jesus Christ. We'll, we'll get to, to more of that too as we keep walking through this. Um, there was another thought I had that um, I was thinking about now. I, I can't remember it right now. Uh, just um, Important to understand some of those distinctions. Okay, well, I'll we, we keep moving on here. Why do bad things happen to good people, good and innocent people? Why do bad things happen to good or innocent people? What do you think about that, John? Why do, why do, how'd you answer that question? Well, as Christians, first of all, we don't believe in karma. Right. Um, obviously, um, Jesus was the best person that ever lived, and look at all the bad things that happened to him. Yeah. Um, so, as, as, as Christians, we know Jesus himself tells us that in this world you will have trouble. Um, but, but take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. So, um, you know, we unfortunately we usually don't seem to seek God unless we are hurting uh, or scared or suffering. 
um, and we don't understand you know, sin's total contamination. When I think of sin contaminating this world, I'll, ne I'll never forget the illustration I think you and I both saw. It's, it, it was, it was an illustration of a drop of ink going into like a fishbowl of water. Yeah. And you saw that ink just kind of how it spread throughout the whole entire bowl of water. Right. And there was nowhere in that bowl that wasn't contaminated now. Right. It, the whole thing was, was contaminated. And the only way to, to fix that would be to dump the water out and to put new water in. Right. And of course, that's what God promises us he will do to the, to the earth. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, that was just a visual that, that stuck in my mind um, in, in regards to that. Yeah. And well, this whole idea that why do bad things happen to good people? You wonder too, if, if, if we understand what has happened, that humans have tried to dethrone God, that we've tried to be God, that we try to be the authors of good and evil, that we have all this potential now to harm people um, in, 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 in incredible ways uh, through, you know, all sorts of different weapons, all sorts of different diseases, all sorts of different means of covering things up, all sorts of now ways through technology of hurting people. Um, it's amazing how much is not happening. How much is God holding back? Right. I mean, how much is he, he just is holding back the reins of evil that, that are, is not happening. How many times did we not get in that accident? How many times did we not get that disease? How many times did we not get mugged? How many times did we not get hurt, not get abused? How many times was God holding so much back? If we understand um, our own heart and the wicked things that go through our own minds, and then you think about um, the, the, a whole billion people um, who also struggle with a wicked heart, how much is he holding back? And so, uh, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, the, then the other question would be, why is there so much good? You know, why, again, how much is being held back? And, and what's interesting, too, is the Bible doesn't shy away from this. There's a whole book on this called Job, but also one of my favorite psalms in the Bible, there, there's a book of prayers in the Bible, the middle of your Bible, you just open it up. Um, there's this beautiful poem, uh, Psalm 73. It's a psalm of Asaph. And for the first half of this psalm, he is praying like, God, this is stupid. There are so many people who hate you, God, and they seem to get away with it. Um, they seem, uh, it, it seems like they're always prosperous. It seems like everything goes well for them. It, it seems like I am trying to follow you, God, and my life's a total mess. I get persecuted. And he's just kind of laying it on God's uh, laying on God in, in anger and frustration that wicked people seem to be successful and uh, you know followers of God seem to suffer. And then in the very middle of the psalm it says, but then I entered your place of worship. I entered your sanctuary and I started to see things from a bigger perspective. I see God, how you place them on slippery ground. Um, that they're going to be here today, gone tomorrow. That for them, this is as close to heaven as it's going to get. But with me, God, even through these trials, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You're going to guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you're going to take me into glory. And I think um, that's that's something to also understand. For those who follow Christ, um, this is as close to hell that they'll ever get, no matter how bad it is. And for those who continue to reject, this is their their one moment in the sun um, of a of a God, you know. Uh, trying to shower people with, with, with kindness, hoping that maybe they'll, they'll come to him. Um, so I think that that's something to be interested in. And why do, you know, again, good things happen to bad people, uh, but then bad things happen to good people. 
I think that's what's so comforting with hell. <laughs> Judgment Day, right? Judgment Day. You know, yeah. I like people want to get rid of God and, and they also want to get rid of hell. But if there is no eternal judgment, then Hitler got away with it. Exactly. He murdered 7 million people more. Stalin, what is it, 40 million people, and he got away with it. And, you know, if there were no police officers, how fast would people drive? If there were no, um, if there were no jails, how many people would do what they're doing? Um, when we want to erase hell, um, uh, we're, we're cutting off something that God has given for our comfort, that I don't need to judge people. I don't need to punish everybody. I'm going to leave that up to the government. And then I'm also going to wait for the day that God brings things to justice, that there is going to be a day when people who've done evil and wickedness who've not repented uh, will have to face God um, for eternity. So I think, I think hell and judgment day can be one of the most comforting things to somebody who's gone through unjust suffering i do too i think that i think that fits together naturally with what we're talking about here like you say if uh if there is no judgment day then uh you know why what, what's the point of, of being good or, or or trying you know um it, yeah i i agree that's that we should be thankful that there will be a judgment day yeah so and you know I'm, one of my favorite books I'm preaching through right now, and I'm writing on it, uh, Man's Search for Meaning uh, by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was, and, and we'll probably have a whole podcast on him, um, but he was a prisoner of war in a Nazi concentration camp. And what he saw, even from a clinical psychological perspective, he's a psychologist, he saw that spiritual life actually deepened for many people inside of the concentration camp. You know, no one's asking to be in the concentration camp. It was a horrible, evil, wicked thing that that God hated, that, that that's wicked. Um, but he said, even in the midst of that, he saw people, when they were stripped away, he said, of all of their outer um, strongholds, all of their, everything on the outside, all they had left were these inner riches, he said, and um, this inner spiritual freedom. And, and it's sometimes when you lose so much on the outside that you find reserves of a, a spiritual, spiritual riches and reserves that you never thought were possible. So, that's what I find so fascinating is that in, 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 in countries or uh, where people have suffered the most, you sometimes find um, an incredible um, spiritual fervor. Mm -hmm. And in other time periods where, where there was incredible suffering, like the Middle Ages and uh, you know the Black Plague and all of these things, you don't see people throwing up their hands and just giving up on God. You see people uh, finding this incredible... Um, indestructible hope and courage in 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 the God who comforts them in their in their struggle. So, I think it, it can be kind of a shallow thing that when we who uh, you know live in, in in quite a bit of uh, away from a lot of suffering, we we don't have a wider perspective to see how many people who have suffered um, have found hope in God. Right. I'm uh, <clears throat> right now. The book I'm reading is uh, the one you. Um, referred me to Eusebius's Church History. Yeah. Oh and yeah. <clears throat> so this Eusebius was a, he lived in like the fourth century. He he recorded and wrote down um, basically the first three hundred years of Christianity. Right. Documented you know what happened after you know Jesus' resurrection. You up and are a Bible nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm up, sorry. Keep uh, that's okay. That's, that's all right. Awesome. That's cool. That's a compliment. <laughs> up until up until about uh, you know 350 or so, I, I think that's when Eusebius died around there. But anyway, the first 300 years of Christianity, and he he tells about all the persecutions and how how these martyrs handled it. 
um, how they were, how they would be tortured, but yet they would not lose their faith. They wouldn't renounce their faith, even though the Romans were doing just unspeakable things, you know, feeding them to lions and, and just all these terrible, torturous things. They some God gave them as as the torture increased, the strength God gave them increased, yeah. and I think that's the same that He does for us today. Yeah. As as suffering increase, He increases the measure of grace that He gives us to right. withstand it, yeah. um, and so. Like you said, in places or in times of great suffering, I think that's when we really see people's um, spirituality at, at its strongest. Yeah. Whereas, like you said, at right here, we live in such peace and security. We don't have to worry about it. We we don't always see that here. Uh, people think, you know, me, I don't really need God. He's, you know, I, this is this is fine. Yeah. But we also see how many people are depressed and find no meaning in their life right now, too. You know? Right. So, yeah. If there's meaning to anything, you have to be able to find meaning in suffering, mm -hmm. and um, and yeah, we'll have to do a whole a whole talk on yeah Victor Frankl, uh, how he, what did he talk about when in the concentration camp, how he helped people find meaning in suffering. But I love yeah Eusebius um, when he talked about Polycarp, who mm -hmm. who 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 when the the soldiers came to take him, um, didn't he like put a table out for them, and you know they ate around his table. And then they, they're, they're, the soldiers, even the Roman soldiers, are so moved by his love for them, even when they're about to kill him. They kept on pleading with him, like, mm -hmm. just, we know you're a Christian, but just say you're not. You know, we don't want to do this to you. And he says, you know, um, Jesus has not, my, you know, my, my Lord uh, has not uh, abandoned me why, my, for my whole life. Why right. would I abandon him at this last moment or something like that? Yeah. Um, it's just a very powerful thing. And I guess you get to see what people actually believe when they suffer. You know, that kind of exposes where where people's strengths comes from. You know, you could create a world that's completely safe and 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 uh, sterile. Um, and sometimes families do this, right, where they, they think the best way, I think this was um, one of, I think King, King Henry, I heard this story, um, that he wanted to protect his son, the next heir of the throne, and so he just protected him from everything. He tried to make him safe. And um, and then, you know, the slightest bit of infection or disease killed him. Because he had been so um, sterile in, in his, his situation, so so uh, kept away from anything that would, would hurt him, he never got strong. But then the Bible says in Romans 5, it says, you know, um, suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not disappoint us. And and um, and so that that so often suffering um, allows us to find strength that we never thought we had in, in in our Savior and yeah. So yeah, why do why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, at the end of the day, the question is we don't always know. Right. We don't know, and and that's the question of 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 Job. That's the answer of the book of Job. We don't know why it happens, but the the fact that you can say I know that God can bring about good. I know that He has a reason even if I can't see it from my perspective. I think it was, uh, there was an author who talked about this. He, he, he told the story of um, taking his little boy to go get a, a vaccination. And he's, he's sitting there with his boy, and the doctor tells the father to hold the boy down. And his boy is like looking him in the eyes, and he's just saying like, why, Dad? Why are you holding me down and letting this strange man poke me with this horrible thing? And he tried 
to, he couldn't explain to this little boy. And all he could do is hold on to him and tell him he loved him and help him through it. Mm -hmm. And I think um, there's just so many things that we are like that boy. We just have no idea the, the bigger story. We have no idea how God is holding back some evil. We have no idea how he's going to um, ultimately on the last day uh, move all this. Day. We, just, we just don't know what the whole story is. And all we can do is hold on to our father through the middle of it. And I think that's, that's how we get through it. I kind of, I kind of pictured in my mind, like, um, I don't know, I have this picture of us just being in kind of a small room, kind of like this. And we have a very small window in this room and we can look out that window and we can see some things, but we can't see much. It's a small window. Whereas God is standing outside. He sees the whole thing. He sees the whole picture. So it, it, it's hard for us to understand, but, but we have to trust God and know that God is good and um, that he's in control. That's great. One of the great lines, I think, in, in Viktor Frankl's book, too, he says, suffering ceases to be suffering when you can find meaning. And I think that's true. That, that's the, you know, what we're talking about is what, what nobody really complains. They, they might not like it. Uh, you know, the suffering of... Um, you know, if you have a necessary surgery, like, okay, I, I it's going to hurt, but I need this to happen. I need knee surgery or whatever. Or, or a woman in labor, you know, it's like, okay, this is hard. Um, but you don't really call that suffering because she says, you know, I, it's worth it. I'm going to have this child. I'm bringing life into the world. Um, you know, when, when people give up their lives for other people, they don't usually call it suffering um, because they know they can see a purpose in it. And I think what's so hard about what we call suffering is we, we have just struggle to see why. And that's just where faith comes in, that that, that, God, that you believe there's a why, and that you, you, you can still search for a why and still hope for a why. Maybe you get a sliver of the why, and maybe uh, you, you can see your attitude change through it. But the hardest thing with suffering is that you don't always know why. Mm -hmm. And suffering ceases to be suffering when we can see the meaning. And sometimes you know, it's going to take a while. It might take eternity for us to know the meaning of our suffering. So, all right. Anything else to add to why? All right. Then while we go on to why doesn't God stop evil acts from happening or just do away with evil people altogether? Um, I remember vividly listening to a, a pastor preach on this and he really went after it. You know, he said, yeah, God, why don't you get rid of all those abusers and, and perpetrators. Why don't you get rid of all the evil people, all the bad people out there? Get rid of all the bad Don't you think that would be good? And, you know, we're all tracking with this pastor. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he stopped and he said, if God got rid of all evil people, then who would be left? Are, are you really the, the, you know, when, when we say, why doesn't God stop evil? Well, are you really the, the, the line that, that it is drawn on? Or can you look back on your life and see some wicked, evil things that you did that you could put in the category of evil? And if God would get rid of all evil people, would the line be drawn after you or before you when he would get rid of those people? Right. Yeah. And, and what is, you know, what is, what is real evil? You know, yeah. who makes that, that call? Really, what, what is evil? What is sin? It's rebellion from God. It's, it's um, you know, anytime we sin, that is evil. Right. So you're right. If, if God got rid of all evil people, that would include every single one of us. Right. So and and yeah. he hates he hates when I was a, a you know a, a, a he hates when I would um, 
didn't tell the truth as a little kid, you know, you'd say these little white lies supposedly to get your own way. He hates that. Mm -hmm. Like, he, it's not that he doesn't, you know, like, he's overlooking the perpetrators out there and he's overlooking the, the violence out there. He's not overlooking. He hates that. And he hates this. He, he says, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already demeaned her and, and, and committed adultery with her. You know, you, so God doesn't just hate the really things that we call the bad things. He hates the evil thoughts that come into our minds. So, so he hates all evil. Mm -hmm. Right. And I also think, uh, th this kind of connects with what we talked about earlier about about the way God just designed us, designed the world that that He does He does give us freedom. Um, you know, if we if we ask God to uh, limit all of our choices or to control us, you know, and every choice that we make, really, what this world would be would there be no freedom at all? It would just be a mechanical world right. uh, where we're all just programmed and we're all just puppets. Um, so, oftentimes, um, yeah, that it. That's one of the reasons, I think. But then you start seeing the incredible story of the Bible, where instead of him saying, I, I, you know, I have two choices. Either I can wipe out the world. You know, after Adam and Eve, I can wipe them out. Or after whatever, I can just wipe it all out. Or he can, or what he decided to do was, I'm going to enter into that world. I'm going to become part of that world in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to absorb all of their evil into myself. And I'm going to take the punishment that they deserve. And I'm going to come out of the grave um, victorious over evil. And I'm marching this world uh, to a renewed world where all evil will be um, eliminated. And up until that day, I'm calling on people to give their allegiance to me, to follow me, um, to, to, to acknowledge their wickedness, acknowledge their evil, and find forgiveness in me, and then, uh, and then follow me no matter what, uh, um, until that great day when he, when he rights all wrongs, and he purifies this world, and makes it the way it's supposed to be, but I just think that's the, that's the, the incredible thing, who would have thought that, that the, the way that, um, the way that God was going to get rid of evil, is he was going to go behind em enemy lines, and let himself be murdered, and let himself take on the, the, all the effects and the consequences of suffering. We have a God. I mean, what other? You won't invent that God. There's no other God that enters into the world and suffers with his world and suffers for his world. Allah doesn't do that. None of the Hindus God do that. Nobody else does that. We don't do that. Um, the, the karma pro, you know, structure doesn't do that. You know, you get what you deserve, but God says no. Um, I'll enter into it and I'll take it on myself. Mm -hmm. And normally it's the it's the weak or the the poor that suffer for the powerful. You know, a king isn't going to suffer for his people. The people suffer for the king, right? right? Or in Christianity, that's totally upside down. The king suffers for his people, right? And so that's yeah, that's something that that other worldviews can't can't uh, relate to, right? So I think the best resource, you know, the last question on here is how can God help me when I experience suffering? I think the best resource is to know that we have a God who suffers. We have a God who, who knows what it means to suffer, who suffers with us. Um, and, to, and, and to see our God faced unjust suffering. And that he somehow found meaning in that. The meaning of his suffering was to rescue the world. So if if the most 
unjust suffering that has ever happened in the history of the world turned out to rescue the world, well then how about my unjust suffering that's happened to me? What could God do with that? Um, so I think um, just going to scripture and seeing that there's just endless resources for those who suffer. There's a whole book, Job, on suffering. The, every every book talks about suffering. So the, the first book of the Bible um, talks about a man named Joseph who was uh, sold by his brothers into slavery and kept on getting false accusations about him, found himself in prison. And, and over and over again, it's all about suffering. At the end of the story, he says that, that, that people tried, his brothers tried to harm him. They intended to harm him, but God intended it for good. That somehow um, God is at work. He's in the midst of it. He hasn't left us in our suffering. He is there with us in our suffering, and somehow he's pushing it towards um, uh, a resurrection, um, a, a reconciliation, a, a good, happy ending, and we're just caught in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. We're caught in the middle of it, this, this very difficult story uh, that's going to have a happy ending. Right, and I really like, a verse I really like is um, from Romans chapter 8 when Paul says, um, I consider that our, our present sufferings are not worth comparing the, to the glory that will be revealed in us. So, and Paul was a man of extreme suffering. Um, and for him to say that, uh, you know, I think that's something that we can, we can lean on and really, and really take the heart that no matter what kind of suffering we're going through right now, um, as, as, as believers in Christ, it's not gonna it's not gonna compare to the glory that we will someday experience with God in heaven. So, so what do you think the people listening to this podcast are thinking right now? Uh, what what do you you know the the yeah, but what's up with that or mm -hmm. or what do you think they're still kind of struggling with uh, when when as we kind of walk through you know we we have kind of these pat answers that we're we're walking through, but how do you think this is being heard? Well, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I again, like we said in the beginning, there's no easy answers to these to these questions. Um, you know, I think we've done our best, but I think one thing we can say is is when what pain and suffering is is it's an indicator that something's wrong. Right. And as Christians, we would say yes, we believe that there is something definitely wrong with this world. It's not the way God had you know hoped it would be when He you know designed it. Um, we haven't made the choices He's wanted us to make. Um, so, so the pain and the suffering we experience, um, it, it is, is an indicator that, that something's very wrong with the world and wrong with us. Um, but thankfully, we have a God that, that has, like you say, entered into it, and he has suffered alongside of us. And um, that's, that's why we can have hope and trust in him that he'll come back and, and someday end all suffering. I think suffering places a choice between people for people like all right we all know there's got to be a god this world is too designed too amazing uh there's too many things that are going on that we know there has to be a god and and then there is um one religion that stands apart from all the rest one that uh, a god has entered into the world in the person of jesus christ and has resurrect come resurrect from the dead it's you know for me it's man it's so clear in your face um that that you have to deal with this God. You have to deal with Jesus. Um, and I think when people suffer, they they have to kind of make this decision. Am I going to run to the God who suffers with me and for me and hold on to him and make it through? Or am I going to get angry with him and reject him? Because whenever I talk to people about suffering, 
they don't, and they say they're atheists, they still talk about the God they're angry at. The God they don't believe exists, but the God that they're angry at. And I think that's what people have to have to realize. At least realize what kind of choice you're making. You're 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 making the choice to run away from your only resource in suffering. You're 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 hating the the only God who suffered with you. You're 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 pushing away your only hope uh, for for this to end in a happy ending. Um, because if not, you're all on your own. Right. And 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 you can't. So so I think suffering puts puts the the issues um, and turns up the volume. And clarifies the issue that what stands before me are two doors: the door of anger and bitterness, and 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 the door of of, of isolation, the door of, of of me being angry at God and other people and frustrated with this world um, that the, the world has suffering in. I walk through that door, or I can walk through the door that says, "This is really hard. I don't always understand it, but I'm going to trust in the one who suffered for me and who's going to." pull me through this and I and I and I hope that he's going to bring this all I have this hope that he's going to bring out a happy ending right I, I agree I think that's good and um you know the other thing someone may may wonder is you know well you know I'm, I'm glad your religion gives you um comfort you know that that helps you through when you're suffering but as as I said in the beginning if if this is all just false hope then then it isn't hope at all it's no good why we can really be confident and really have the hope is because what we're saying is true, and that's why we're doing these podcasts. Not, you know, so that we can convince people that this is true. This isn't just, um, this isn't a fairy tale. This isn't just something to make you feel better or to help you through a situation. Right. This is the truth. So you can bet your life on this, right. and so you can trust God through your suffering, and trust that He will see you through it. That's really good. That's really good. Well, probably again, the the best thing a person could do is not just listen to a podcast or read a book, but join a community of believers to go find a place to gather with other fellow sufferers. Suffering is inevitable. Uh, you can't run from it. It's going to happen at some level in this world. Uh, that's not all there is. There's so many good things, right? There's good food and good family and, and, and so many good things that point ahead to this new world that's gonna, that, 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 that God is, is going to renew for us. But there is the inevitability of facing suffering. And I don't think you should do it alone. I think you should find another group of Christian believers that can help you process this, to gather together with them. Go to so, so find a place to do that. And I don't know where I would be without my Christian brothers and sisters who, who can kind of help me process and work through and point me to Scripture and pray with me and just be there for me as you walk through the inevitability of suffering. Um, anything else you wanted to say on this subject? No, I, I think you're right. I would just echo that, that God has blessed us with each other and um, he has given us special people in our lives to encourage us when we are going through suffering so like you said um, encourage people to find a group or or, or, uh, or or someone else that would that would help them and pray with them and, and read the bible with them so that they can they can know about this hope that comes yeah. only from god when you gather gather with other people um it's like your your joy gets doubled and your suffering gets cut in half you know, and that, that's really the power of being a part of a, a, some sort of Christian uh, group. All right. Um, I, I do think, I'm still kind of looking at different topics coming up, but I do think the next topic could be, I really would like to, to, to look in this whole idea of finding meaning and purpose in your life. Uh, so many people are giving up on life. The suicide rate is just so high and it keeps on growing up, uh, keeps on increasing. 
and um, and and uh, I've mentioned Viktor Frankl and some of the work that he's done, and I think uh, helping people find meaning and purpose could be the next focus of our of our, of our next podcast. And I think that could be really helpful, especially as so many people are just kind of giving up. So. All right, why don't I just, I'll say a quick little prayer about, uh, for those people who are suffering, and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you next time. Lord God, we pray for all of those who are struggling right now, especially uh, with this idea of suffering, uh, uh, who have been victims of unjust suffering, especially those who have, have been abused as children and still processing that. And um, that, that so much of that can be so, so devastating. We pray that you would give your strength that only you can give. Uh, you, you're a God who suffers, and so I pray you'd be with those who are suffering. Uh, you're also a God of, the res of a resurrection, so I pray that you would bring people through, give them resilience, um, give them transformation in you, so that people would find hope on the other end of their suffering. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Adios.